0: Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny will be interviewing one of America's leading voices, Phyllis Curat, who is one of America's first public Wiccan priestesses, an attorney and author of whose groundbreaking books published in 14 countries have made Wicca accessible to the world. Her latest book, Wicca Made Easy, So tune in as she reintroduces the life-sustaining wisdom of this sacred feminine spirituality. And now we welcome your host for the day,
1: Sunny Joy. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, attorney-turned-life coach Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from nine to ten a.m. on Alternative Talk, eleven fifty a.m. KK and W, bringing you amazing coaches, teachers, authors, and healers who are on a mission to encourage you, inspire you, and give you tools to live a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives at 1150kknw.com. And my website, if you want to check it out for coaching and other things, learn more about me, you can go to goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. Uh, Vinny, how have you been? Hey, doing awesome. Thanks, Sunny, and yourself? Yeah, doing well. Oh, great, huh? uh, it's a foggy day here in Petaluma, which I love. It reminds me, these mornings that we have here, i so Growing up in Texas, you don't have foggy mornings, no. at least where I was. And so these foggy mornings in Petaluma remind me a lot of Seattle, so I am having a little connection back. That's to- <laughs> good, that's
0: good. Well, let's throw in a little fog. Oh no, there, a oh, fog, fog okay. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks,
1: <laughs> yeah and no more earthquakes no more there rumors. was
0: another one actually yesterday is in the same spot it's weird monroe it's like the hub of the little mini quakes right now it wasn't too bad yeah. nothing was damaged or anything again but i don't know something's up with mother earth shaking and shaking mm-hmm. uh and i think
1: you just handed me a really beautiful segue into our show today which i'm sure was oh <laughs> intentional look at that. Always.
0: high five look at that Good producer no, there. You Good. did it last week and oh, this week. You were like, you're
1: starting a bad trend, Then You're going to have to come up with something clever every week, depending uh, on who our guest is. Yeah, you
0: called me out. So now the pressure's on for next week.
1: <laughs> oh, well, well, okay. So I'll just go ahead and pick up that lead and run with it. Um, So um, I'm so excited to bring you all our guest today. And we will be talking a lot about the wisdom of Mother Earth. Um, that factors in very big into the work of my guest, Phyllis Curat. Um, She is a spiritual pioneer and one of America's first out witches. She has been a public Wiccan priestess for almost 40 years and an attorney handling groundbreaking cases that established the legal rights of witches. Phyllis is also the author of four internationally best-selling books that have made witchcraft accessible to the world and helped make it the fastest-growing spirituality in America. Phyllis was named one of the 10 Gutsiest Women of the Year by Jane magazine uh, and inducted into the Martin Luther King Jr. Collegium of Clergy and Scholars. She received the 2018 Service to Humanity Award from the One Spirit Interfaith Seminary and was elected vice chair of the 2015 Parliament of the World's Religion creating the historic inaugural Women's Assembly. New York Magazine has called her teaching on witchcraft, the culture's next big idea. And Time Magazine has published her as one of America's leading thinkers. Uh, find out more by going to her website, which is Phyllis Curat, and I'll spell that name for you, P H Y. L L I S, Phyllis. Curat is spelled C U R O T T. So, PhyllisCurat.com. She has just launched her most recent project, Awaken the Witch Within, an inspiring online course produced by Hay House. Um, And we'll talk more about this during the show, but just letting you know, you know, so today is Friday, July 19th. Registration ends um, uh, midnight on July 23rd. So, you've got several more days to register for that. We've got two free gifts that we're going to be sharing with you today. Um, and if you want to go ahead and get a jump on those, you can go to Phyllis' website, phylliscurat.com. And she's got, if you go, um, I believe under her events page, um, you can look at the Modern Witches Essential Spellbook as well as the Modern Witches Masterclass. Um, that's a four-part series that I have watched. It's amazing. So check that out. Um, and, of course, the book we're, we're going to be discussing today where she is reintroducing this beautiful uh ancient feminine spirituality, Uh, and this book is put out by Hay House, uh, is Wicca Made Easy. Um, So Phyllis, welcome to Sunny in Seattle.
0: Oh, it's such a great pleasure to be with you. (laughs) I love, I love the name of your show, Sunny (laughs) in Seattle. I mean, it's, It's brilliant and perfect. I didn't realize how overcast Seattle could be until I'd visited a few times and there was a a coffee shop on every single corner. I was like, oh, I get it. Now I understand Starbucks and all of this. We're living living up to the hype. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You go one block, you drink a cup of coffee, you walk one more block, you drink another That's a lot coffee. of walk-out. Well, you
1: got to get in out of the rain. <laughs> so, yeah, I was sorely disappointed to hear that every visit you've ever had to Seattle was raining. I think that really gives it a bad rap because we have the most beautiful summers in the country. So maybe you were just there on the wrong day. Well, not wrong days, but you know, you didn't get to experience the best of Seattle. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Well, it was gorgeous despite that. I really, I, I love the West Coast and I love Seattle and I love um, that whole area, the North is so incredibly beautiful. And I really, I had no idea, you know, of the rainforest that's there. Yeah. And the size of it, it's astonishing. Really spectacular. It's a very, it's a magical
1: place. It really is. You know, growing up in Texas, I just felt really parched. I mean, there's, there's a very like little color spectrum there. It's like brown and light green and that's about it. And then there's the water is brown, like coffee in the Gulf. And I got to Seattle and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's like greens and blues and pinks and Oh my gosh. And all of the the wildlife and the naturally occurring flora and fauna. Whoa, you're right. It's beautiful. I love it. So enough about, a, about advertising <laughs> call for Seattle. But I want to share it with our audience, you know, right before we got on air. So I have to tell you all, um, I finished up my outline and reading Phyllis's book last night. And, um, and so um, I have been going to bed very early because my partner wakes up between three and four um, for his work. And so I find I like going to bed early and getting up early these days. So it is still very light outside when we go to bed. So. I finish up my outline, I go into the bedroom and we have these beautiful trees that really just come right up to our second floor window. And I heard this buzzing of wings and it had to be a hummingbird. And so I went to the window and there's this cute little guy with a red cap and he's just buzzing around the window until it appears that he gets my attention and he just lands on a tiny little twig right like two feet from the window and I'm like hey buddy what are you doing and we have this beautiful exchange that went on for about 10 to 15 minutes and I was the one who got up and walked away but he would just sit and look at me and then he'd hover for about two or three seconds and then he'd get back on the little twig and then he'd hover maybe do a little couple turns and then get back on the twig and I just thought, okay, this has to be related to Phyllis. And so we get on the phone this morning, Betty connects us right before the show. And I said, okay, before we go live, Phyllis, I have to ask you, are hummingbirds important in your power, animal, to your, your work with
0: spirit? And Phyllis, do you want to share what you told me? <laughs> well, it was a pause. <laughs> yes, it's one of my spirit allies. and um, And I think now... More importantly, it's um, going to be a part of, um, it's going to be a spirit ally for you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the wonderful things about, um, I think about witchcraft is that it's not a belief system. It's a spiritual practice. And you don't have to be a witch, just like you don't have to be Buddhist to uh, meditate or or Hindu to practice yoga. You don't have to be a witch to uh, practice, to use the techniques to take off the blindfold and to start to live a magical life. To to me, what that means is that you're seeing the sacred. You see it in realms of spirit. There are practices and techniques that help alter consciousness. So you're literally entering what anthropologists call non-ordinary reality, what people who are spiritually oriented think of as spirit realms. But most importantly, I found um, over 40 years of practicing, The greatest gift is wisdom and healing and communion and um, extraordinary experiences in realms of spirit um, that do give us great wisdom. But one of the greatest gifts it gives us is the ability when we return back to the so-called normal world, the everyday world, the world we live in, to see it with new eyes, to see it as sacred. And you start to realize that spirit and earth, energy, And embodiment, it's one and the same, right? We know from physics that they talk about that light is both an energy and a particle. So it's kind of like that, you know? It's the divine is embodied. It's energy and it's form. And there are messengers that go back and forth connecting the two worlds and helping us to remember that the two are one, that we're living in a sacred world. And they come um, with the the breeze with the clouds in the water and most um, and with the uh, with the plants and mostly very much with animals and birds they are uh, messengers and reminders and they're guardians and guides and um, beings that will help us on our path uh, to finding the magic within ourselves and returning to the world um, to a world that's full of magic and learning how to live in it. The way we're supposed to, the way we've forgotten, but the way we're supposed to.
1: Yes, and I love that you are bringing this back. You are one of the 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 biggest players in bringing this this ancient wisdom to the forefront, where we need it so much right now for a variety of reasons. It's very timely. But I have to say, Phyllis, as you were talking, a couple dots connected for me that I just want to share because. I feel like I needed to hear these kind of stories when I, I still need to hear them every day because they keep me going on my path. But I remember one of the very first intuitive readings that I ever received. This was at the beginning of my spiritual journey. And I just it like hit me like a ton of bricks as you were talking. And she said, You will work with hummingbirds. Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Well, here we go. <laughs> so- oh, that's so I get I got goosebumps. Yeah. Well- <laughs> Um, or as they say in Italian, pelle d'oca," which is like the skin of the duck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. You will you will work with ducks. Nobody ever says <laughs> that, yeah. right. um, although they can, they can be fabulous. Um, they, you know, they're they're our paths are all very unique. They're sort of um, I think they're shaped out of our our gifts, and our fascinations, and our passions, and the, the particular reasons why each of us um, arrived here at this time. But I am absolutely convinced, and it, and it applies not just to people who are spiritual and not religious, but to people of, of all, I think, all faith persuasions, that that when we pay attention to the path that we're on, no matter how unique it is well if we truly walk it what we find is that we're all traveling in the same sacred landscape yes Yes. some of those paths have taken us far far away from the planet that we're living on and we really really need to get back so that to me is one of the real gifts and each path has a particular wisdom, right? Has right, right. Um, certain offerings that um, the human community needs, and can reflect particular cultures. Right now, at this time, um, when we're under such dangers and threats from global warming and from climate change, which we are the agents of, you know, these are the consequences of our actions and our our blindness, our disconnection from the sacred and from the world one of the really great gifts of witchcraft. People often ask me, like, why, how in the world did witchcraft become the fastest growing spirituality in America, and it's spreading all over the world? I mean, nothing could seem more bizarre. Just as, you know, 40 years ago when I was, like you, a lawyer in New York, nothing could seem crazier or or more ridiculous then the, the idea of becoming a witch. I mean, you know, I had all those wacky stereotypes, you know, Margaret Hamilton with the green face and you know, the, the stereotypes from fairy tales and Hollywood movies and although, thank heavens, there was also um, Bewitched and there was um, I Married a Witch, a witch with, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's it, Veronica Lake, you know, they've always been good witches. Um, but lo and behold, I mean, the reason that it is that has taken root and is flourishing is that people are discovering what it what it really is, what it's all about, which is what I discovered 40 years ago, and they work very hard to you know bring to the light of day, which comes from the word witcha, very old, five thousand year old word. It means a wise one. It's from the Proto Indo European. It's five thousand years old. It's a, it means shamanism. It's essentially someone who sees the sacred. It was the shamans of our ancestors, of our European ancestors, arrived in England about 500 A.D. and then took on the particular Wicca, Wicca took on the particular sort of cultural uh, overlay of England over the years. That's what it is. It's, it's the ancestral um, shamanism of our indigenous forebears. And... Um, It has nothing to do with negative stereotypes all that came about around the 1300s when there was this great persecution first of the jews and then of the practitioners of what i call the old religion the shamanism of europe and sort of the last religious competition and um of course it was wiped out because it was practiced a lot by women because people who had these spiritual practices didn't need an institution let alone a hierarchical institution, let alone a patriarchal hierarchical hierarchical institution, Mm -hmm. telling them what to believe or how to behave. If you could do it yourself, you didn't need that. So that was some serious competition. And what we did to other indigenous peoples, right, as Western culture moved around the world, to the Americas and Africa and elsewhere, Um, We did first to ourselves, and it really was the women's Holocaust because it was mostly the persecutions and the false accusations were directed mostly against women. And um, it was during that period that women lost their rights to own property. They were not allowed to receive an education. They couldn't learn to read or write. They weren't allowed to go out alone. And all the things that we think of, of the worst, um, sort of the Taliban and all these guys... That's what was going on in Europe with Christianity 500 years ago. And the struggle that women have for uh, equal rights today, um, and the Me Too movement, all of this, grew out of the witch persecutions 500 years ago. We're still struggling to free ourselves from that and from those stereotypes. But it's happening incredibly rapidly now, and more and more young women and older women are coming to this, they see the witch as the ultimate feminist icon, you know, as an expression of women's freedom and power and spiritual gifts. And um, they're embracing it and they're finding their way back to this ancient wisdom tradition. Um, And and because no one's asking them to believe, you know, because instead it's a system of practices that you can use, it's incredibly empowering. And it's, right now, it's very much focused on um, the embodiment of the divine in ourselves and the lives that we're leading and um, in the planet all around us, um, you know, without which we will not survive. It's it's a moment where we must come back into right relationship with the planet. And I think that has a lot to do, the earth is calling and I think people are hearing it and they're looking for ways to reconnect and to be in right relationship. And it turns out that our ancestral wisdom traditions, just like Native Americans and australian aboriginal populations and in africa that that this is a path back home and so it's growing
1: Absolutely. absolutely And there's so many things to unpack in what you just said, and we will be covering in the show because this is covered in your book. You know what is Wicca? What are the misperceptions? What does it mean to be a witch? Because I'm sure even as some people are listening, and I'm thinking of my mom <laughs> in Texas, if she hears the word witch, I know what I grew up believing it to be. Um, so I want to really dispel or do away with as much as possible the misperceptions there. So we're going to be going into all of that, but I first. You know, the thing that I think is the most powerful, um, my favorite part of all of this, Phyllis, is how you came to this work, because to me, you know, I believe personally that we when we incarnate in a human body in any given lifetime, there are certain things that we come here, potentials that we come here to embody and to work, to walk through. And to me, it feels like you had a very, very specific calling to be, especially an attorney, an attorney, mind you, you know who has like Ivy League pedigree and who was working, if I understood correctly, to dismantle organized crime <laughs> and trade unions. I mean, that is no small feat. And then you were called to this. So if anybody was capable of doing what you have done to bring this to the forefront and to dispel the myth and to bring the truth to light and to show what a blessing this beautiful feminine spirituality is, like, it had to be you. So do you mind sharing this, the winding way to which you (laughs) came to to wake
0: up? Uh, (laughs) Uh, How much time do we have? (laughs) Um, the one thing I just wanted to make sure we talked about the Libyan Sybil at some point. <laughs> absolutely, I mean it is really true that the um, that stories are everything. That the greatest teaching is through stories because stories um, open our hearts. They teach through the heart and not the head. And the path, I, I mean, this is the I think the path that women hold most beautifully is the path of the heart. Um, and that was yeah how I found um, my my way to witchcraft of all crazy things seemingly um, was the story that I told in Book of Shadows that was my first memoir that I um, um, that I wrote it, I can't believe it we are actually putting out the twentieth anniversary edition <laughs> now congratulations uh, thank, thank you oh my gosh twenty years I went out for pizza and twenty years. ago. <laughs> but this is what happens when you do magical work you know you lose all track of time um it was really extraordinary and it was um a series of absolutely amazing um experiences and they started when i was in law school and, and at the time i had absolutely no framework i was raised in a a, a humanist family but hyper rational no religious background um my parents were were social justice activists. My father was a union organizer. My mother was active um, uh, in organizing with the early civil rights movement in the 1930s, and you know that was, and that's how I ended up practicing law, fighting organized crime and trade unions. Talk about a giant windmill to tilt at, um, <laughs> and. Um, And, you know, I was a rational, I I studied philosophy at Brown and I, you know, I was just a rationalist, you know, I didn't believe in anything that couldn't be proven. Um, And it was a struggle just to believe in justice, you know, Uh, witchcraft, impossible. But I started to have a lot of very extraordinary experiences. And I think lots and lots of people have them, especially women. The difference was that even though I was studying like mad, I was... I paid attention to them because they had an objective component. So I would have a dream and then it would come true. I would have a psychic premonition, you know, and then it would manifest. I would think that somebody was thinking something and then they would say it. And during that period, this was while I was in law school, I think it was in part because my rational mind was so overtrained and so overdeveloped. It was almost like, an ins- like a survival instinct kicking in. The other side of me, the instinctive side, the intuitive side, the feminine side, the sacred side, um, and literally the other side of my brain, you know, sort of awoke and it and it became the counterbalance. And I had the good sense to pay attention to it. The 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 senses were so powerful and the proof, which I required, the rational required, was so absolute that I I was attending to it, and so I started to sort of follow my intuition and follow my heart. And one of the things that was happening were these dreams, and in those dreams, three, four times appearing periodically, was a figure. There was no context to the dream; it was so you know it was just boom dream. And the reason I remembered it was that I would wake from it. It was a woman who. Would appear in the dream, very all of the, you know, very white, the whole thing. She was larger than life. She was bare breasted. She would sort of look past me in the dream. She had a a light at her at her forehead, above, right like the third eye and above, and at her throat. And when I would look at her, the light would grow very bright and she would sort of disappear. And I would wake up out of the dream. And I had this dream periodically well I graduated I went to Washington I was fighting organized crime and trade unions I came back to New York for another job with a foundation doing the same thing the magical experiences that I'd been having had stopped and I was looking for a way to jumpstart them and I was managing a, a rock and roll band and came into friendship with a woman who called herself a white witch she brought me to have my cards read by a woman at a crazy looking bookstore in New York that in a million years I would with jars along them all this stuff the end of this amazing tarot card reading the first time I had ever had it this woman asked me first thing she said is what's your question I said where does the path lie you know the magic in my life ended and I I want it back and I actually used the word magic and she shot back without hesitating the path lies within and I said where's that? Cause my entire life was outwardly directed social justice and making the world a better place and being a lawyer at within what is within. And she said, well, let's do this reading. And it was very impressive. She knew things that I had told no one. She saw things that I had shared with no one. And when it was all over, she said, you know, I have this women's group and you might be interested in, in coming. We meet every week. Why don't you come? And I said, thank you and I don't think so and I left and my job ended and a few months had gone by and my friend called and said you know that was a very rare invitation that was a an invitation you know to work with witches I was like witches she said yes what do you think I was taking you and you really you really should go very few people are invited and I was like no they're witches you know Margaret Hamilton, green faces, weird, definitely, (laughs) thank you. I think you are marvelous, but no. And then later that day, I went to the Museum of uh, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is a place I'd gone to a lot when all of these experiences were happening, first happening to me while I was still in law school. And um, to make it a little bit shorter, I was wandering. Through. I went through the Egyptian collection, which had held a special pull for me. And um, I came out through the Temple of Gender into another room and then through a door into a new part, a new exhibit that had not been there years before. And I'm walking, through. it was this beautiful uh, sculpture garden enclosed between the two wings of the museum and i it was gorgeous with water and fountains and birds and things and statues and i'm oh it's beautiful what the what am i going to do next i have no job and nobody will hire me and i what am i going to do and all of a sudden seated in front of me is the figure from my dreams right there larger than life it was a huge marble statue of of, of, of the woman, the woman in my dream. And th- I looked at her, as I'm telling you now, I'm experiencing it because it was so powerful. I got incredibly hot and <laughs> and clammy and the room bleached white. And I don't remember sort of the in-between. I remember that there was a guard sort of standing over me and I, he had obviously helped me to sit down on this little wooden seat near her And he was waiting, are you okay, are you okay? And I slowly sort of came back to myself. And I'm looking at her feet, I couldn't look at her. There was a little plaque next to her toes and it said the Libyan Sybil. And then gradually as I felt better, I slowly let my eyes go up and she was holding, in my dream she was holding a book um, in her lap. The figure was holding a sheaf of papers, rolled up papers, there was a star at her throat, it was a six-pointed star, and she was wearing a crown on her head um, with a triangle and a circle within it, and, and I go into greater detail. Um, and I sat there with her uh, for a long time, and when I went home, I looked up uh, the word Sybil. I knew it was vaguely magical, but I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. I looked it up, I put on my glasses And I took out my magnifying glass and I looked it up in my annotated Oxford English dictionary, which, if you know, the print size is, you know, like the size of a flea. And and I looked up Sybil and it said an ancient prophetess, comma, a witch. Mm -hmm. So I called my friend and I said, you think uh, uh," she said, I yes, go immediately. And so I went to the least likely place in the world. That item, the most impossible thing that one could ever imagine, the unimaginable. And I went every week and I went for three years more and I was initiated and trained and I became a priestess and a witch. And almost immediately I decided once I had discovered what it was really all about, that it was this incredibly beautiful, um, in fact, ancestral wisdom tradition that honored the divine feminine that honored women, that had a role for them as spiritual leaders, as wise ones, I I decided, you know, I couldn't possibly practice the spirituality in fear, nor should anyone else have to. And I truly believed that the world needed that wisdom. And so I was public and and um, yeah and it went on from there.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I love <laughs> that story.
0: And so I know
1: we're at the point, this is perfect timing for our break. Um, And so we, when we come back, I want to dive into, you know, as I mentioned, we want to cover, let's dispel some of the the misperceptions about Wicca. Let's talk about what it really means and its beautiful history and, and how it can, especially now where we are in this point in human evolution, really take us to where we need to go and survive, not just survive as a species. We need that. But thrive um, in really this beautiful collaboration with the divine and with mother earth so i want to make sure you all know um, the website of course i'm talking today with phyllis curat website is phylliscurat.com the book is wicca made easy and don't forget to check out under the events page at phylliscurat.com You will find number one, her, um, the most recent, uh, she has this beautiful four part series, uh, the Modern Witches Masterclass. And these are very short videos, you know, 10, 15 minutes a piece. And it's just this beautiful um, uh, summary of exactly, you know, everything in the book and also what's going to be happening in her. A project she's doing with Hay House that starts very soon, Awaken the Witch Within. So check that out. Oh, and also grab the Modern Witch's Essential Spellbook there as well. That is also free on her website. So you are listening to Sunny in Seattle. We will be back in just a few to continue the conversation.
0: The preceding audio was via a Skype call.
1: Are you ready to get unstuck from a bad marriage and embrace your best life? If you're anything like me, you may have spent years creating a life that looks pretty good on paper. There's just one problem. Your marriage is unhappy and unfulfilling, but you're too scared to trade your comfortable life for a future full of unknowns. In my new book, Unhitched, I will give you the tools you need to make the right decisions about your marriage, as well as the confidence that your future can be better and brighter than you can even imagine. I share my own very personal story and I will guide you through a clear process that will enable you to answer the question, should I stay or should I go? It's a process that will help you tune out fears and unwanted advice and instead tune into your own intuition and inner wisdom, as well as exit a marriage gracefully and feel secure about your future. Get ready to trade confusion and stagnation for your best life. Unhitched, unlock your courage and clarity and unstick your bad marriage. Available today on Amazon.com.
0: We're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take alternative talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. If you talk, they will hear you. We all want our kids to
1: grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov so
0: you. You can do it if you try Alternative Talk, 11:50 on AM, 98.9hD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web.
1: And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, joined today by Phyllis Curat. Uh, she's an attorney and an author and also one of America's first uh, public uh, Wiccan priestesses. And we are talking about her most recent release book, Wicca Made Easy. And I we just have to share a quick story while we were on break. Um, yeah, I could have talked to Phyllis. I know I can talk to you for hours, but I want to share this quick story about how this book came about. Because, uh, you know, as I mentioned, this feels so tight. Timely, like this, and reading this book, I just I thought, okay, I'm going to be incorporating a lot of these practices into my own spiritual practice or my spiritual work. And I thought, I know other people are going to gravitate toward this. The time is now; it is so perfect for what's going on in the world. So,
0: t- <laughs> will you share what you just shared with me about how this book actually came about? Well, I had been on uh, a journey for quite a while, a good ten years, and part of it incorporated a bit of. Um, of sorrow and depression, but that's fine. It was a kind of a dismemberment period. Um, And I returned um, with the help of Mother Earth and some very, very simple practices, some of which I talked about in Wicca Made Easy, and um, like what I call green breathing. And she brought me back to life. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. And the practices um, that I had learned and been using had gotten much simpler and clear and sort of more universal. And I was really excited to tell the story of the journey I'd been on for 10 years in my apprenticeship with her and rediscovering the power of these practices. And I called my agent and I said, are you still my agent? And she said, yeah, I'm still your agent, but you know, your publisher's dead, right? <laughs> and I was like, no, that's heartbreaking, but also really difficult. And she said, well, have you given any thought to who you would like to be your publisher? And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, even if my publisher was still with me, although I adore them and they were wonderful, I really want to be with Hay House. And she said, Hay House is a new age publisher, Phyllis. And I said, yeah, I know. But I am—I know that this is the moment. I know that the world is ready for this. And I know that Hay House is the most natural, um, the sister community for this. I just, you know, it's the next step in bringing this to the world. And this is the moment. And she was like, all right, all right. The next morning, before she'd had time to call them, because it was a six-hour difference, you know, the time difference, three-hour time difference. She hadn't called them yet. I got an email. I opened my email the next morning, and there was an email waiting for me from Hay House asking me to write Wicca Made Easy. <laughs> 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 okay, we're off, we're off and running. Yes. Anyway, we went from Wikimedia Easy to um, the online class uh, to uh, which I'm so excited about. And a lot of people had asked me to do an online class, and I kept putting it off because I wanted to do something beautiful, you know, that was professionally rendered. I didn't want to just sit in front of my computer with bad lighting, you know, right. Um, and so the chance to work with them, I mean, it's all just been extraordinary, just extraordinary. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's how. That's to me what magic is. I mean, a lot of people come to witchcraft thinking that it's, um, you know, arcane phrases and dusty books and weird ingredients and spooky stuff, and it isn't at all. Magic really is a—it's a numinous quality of being that is within all of us. It just needs to be awakened. It's—it is the sacred that lives in all things from which all things are created. And um, it's the energy that connects us um, to the divine um, and to the divine that's embodied, that we embody. And when you wake it up, when it awakens within you, which is part of what happened to me in that story I was sharing with you, Mm -hmm. um, there's magic everywhere. There are signs like the Libyan symbol and the dream. There are synchronicities like, I, you know, it's Hay House and then the next day it arrives. Um, there is a flow. The Taoists understand this, right? It's the flow um, of that which cannot be named. You know, I, they call it the Tao, I call it magic. Um, it's the same thing. It's the sacred um, that, that is the source of, of life, of being. And I think it lives in our hearts. And the trick is for us to go there and to reside within it, and um, and to awaken it, and to trust it, and to and then, you know, spells and um, magical work is about going to the well of that inner divinity, and drawing it up and giving it shape and form in the world with the power of the divine that that loves us. You know, it's it's love in motion in and motion yes. form.
1: <laughs> yeah, so let's, In. In. I think, uh, quite frankly, maybe, and I'm, I want to, gosh, there's so many things I want to ask you, but I feel like maybe let's dispel some misperceptions as a way to kind of show what Wicca is versus what it isn't, because I think a lot, I, I know, watching your four-part masterclass series, that really helped me in addition um, with the book. And of course, if you want to access that, that's at PhyllisCurat.com under her events page. But yeah, what are some of the most common misperceptions you want to talk about, Phyllis, that we need to
0: dispel um, for people to really know what Wicca is? Absolutely. So um, I think the worst, of course, is that, I think there are two, the two really awful ones are like that, you know, witches are, uh, devil worshipers and Satan worshipers and kill cats and all this crazy stuff, right? Um, so there's that that is the projection of fear, of uh, a car- you know of a personification of evil that comes out of the Abrahamic faiths. Now, it, it is he's a biblical figure. Um, he's their personification of evil and he was pro- he's projected onto other peoples, onto other religions, onto indigenous peoples, most of all. I mean, that's very old, it goes back. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was projected onto, very much onto women and onto practitioners of the old religion throughout Europe and the witch craze essentially was a continuation of the persecution of Jews. Right, The accusation was made first against Jews in the 13 and 1400s um, with the persecution of uh, uh, the Inquisition, the Holy Inquisition. And when that ended uh, and the coffers were stuffed full and uh, they were looking for another source of income, frankly, the church was looking for more, um, more control, more power, more hegemony and more money and they turned uh, to women in particular, many of whom uh, were holders of large tracts of land and businesses and resources that had come out of the uh, the Crusades when women had been left in charge. Mm-hmm. In the 1300s, there was still a lot And it, it's a more complex history with heresies and all kinds of fomenting going on and rebellions by serfs and peasants during that period. And there was a need to suppress and to control. Um, and it was very much um, a combination of the nobility, putting down the rebellions of the serfs and the peasantry, uh, and the church putting down women and taking control. There was a tremendous misogyny in the church at that time, just as we see it in other religious cultures that come out of the Abrahamic tradition now. Um, and and so it, the the accusations of worshipping the devil were made. First, they had been made against the Jews, and then it was carried on to the witch. And it's so interesting if you look at the stereotype of the witch with the big nose same stereotype, mm-hmm. same accusation of killing Christian babies that was made against Jews, was made against women, practitioners of the old religion. And it was the women's holocaust. I mean, we don't know the exact numbers, but it was hundreds of thousands where if you were just accused, your property was forfeited. They were tortured. They were they were brutally murdered, and it went on all across Europe. It was a period of tremendous terrorizing of women, and that was the period during which they lost all standing and status and legal rights. Which, of course, you know, really got to me as a woman when I was learning this real history. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that's the first one. The second terrible stereotype is that it's just wacky, you know, that it's just wacky people doing crazy wacky stuff um superstition and, and and that kind of stereotype or special effects the Hollywood version, you know with the fighting demons and charmed and you know crazy stuff um, I think the other stereotypes is that it's just women it's not um, Wicca referred to women Wicca, which is now the name of the most popular form of witchcraft um, applied to men uh, so it isn't just women, although it's mostly women I think more than anything else, you know, the, it's women who've really um, rediscovered and revitalized the spiritual wisdom tradition. Um, I think another stereotype, the idea that uh, that we're working with supernatural power uh, or demonic power, which is a residual of this satanic thing, this biblical thing that has, uh, there is no, to go back to that for a moment, there is no Satan in the old religion. It's an earth religion. It's an indigenous tradition. There is no evil in nature. The evil that exists, as, as Gandhi once said, the only demons are the ones that reside within our hearts. And those demons are, are a result of our being separated from the sacred, from the divinity of the world in which we live, I think. And that can be healed by coming back into connection with the sacred. Yes. Um, so there are no demons. Sorry, I've been doing this for 40 years. You know. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's a consequence of getting lost when you when you send the sacred out of the world, you know, into transcendent realms that you only get to visit when you're dead. Um, you get a little nutty. So, no, we don't work with, with demons and we don't work with supernatural power because that's also a biblical idea that the natural world is inanimate and that the sacred is other. So you know i mean miracles what are called miracles i guess you would you could call magic but what we work with is the divine embodied we work with natural energies it's all about bringing oneself into, into harmony and uh and resonance and relationship with the divine that's everywhere, that's embodied by the world in which we live and which resides in spirit realms that we, in fact, have access to. So it's not about working with or manipulating um, supernatural powers. It's about attuning oneself to the divine, which is utterly natural and which is an essential part of who, in fact, we are. Um, The idea of using spells to have power over or to control or to manipulate um, is part of that idea. And it, it's not so. Um, the the only person that you'll uh, try to uh, work with, you know, that that for, over whom you'll have power with a spell is oneself, because the first thing that magic changes is you. Um, you might work uh, a spell to help someone if they've asked for your help. You can help someone, um, but no, it, it you know the whole idea about having power over. Is uh, it comes from Western, you know, this Western culture of the Abrahamic ideas of man having dominion or power over the earth. It's not a part of indigenous spiritualities. It's not about having power over. It's about having relationship with. Um, I think that's kind of about it. You know, it's the the devil, the demon, the crazy, the supernatural, the manipulation of of uh, supernatural forces. It's. Um, those are ideas that come from a different cosmology and a different point of view and have nothing to do with the reality of witchcraft as an indigenous spirituality.
1: Yeah, and that was one of the things that I really noticed in reading the book is I, you know, take the, I, it seems like there's, perhaps people get focused on semantics, and so when you say spell casting. Some mm-hmm. people may think, oh, but when I read the chapter on spellcasting, exactly what is involved with that to me, and this is, I, I hope this isn't, well, I'll just say it, it felt to me like setting intentions. And like I, I interviewed Lynn McTaggart and uh, the power of eight and talking about how when we set a beautiful intention to heal ourselves or to help someone else, uh, that they're very similar in, in nature. And so if, if, the word spellcasting has had a bad name because of what culture has done to it. Really, when you get down to what the practice is, this is something that I do every day in setting my intentions and, and, and really giving thanks to Mother Earth and giving thanks to the divine. And it just, yeah, I thought, okay, these things have been given such a bad name and this is not, people have no idea what actually is happening. So, and I I have to ask, you know, how do you experience the divine or how do you experience goddess or God? How does that tie
0: into Wicca? So, um, that's, I think that the, the the heart of the practice, um, as I pursue it, um, if anybody had asked me to believe in, um, God or the goddess, it, it wouldn't have worked for me, um. It just wouldn't, you know, it's not about believing. It is about it is about experiencing exactly as you said it. Um, You don't believe in the goddess, you experience it. You don't believe in air, you may not see it, but you experience it with every single breath that you take, right? Um, And so the practices for me, and I think for others, and certainly the way I teach them, the practices become the means by which the blindfold that's tied on by history and by habit, yeah? And by living in a certain kind of culture, which has separated us from the sacred, the practices are the way that the blindfold comes off. And to be a witch is to see the sacred. I mean, you. I, as I'm talking to you, I'm sitting in my office, which is up on the second floor of my house. And outside of my window is this beautiful rose uh, red bud tree. And the leaves are the shapes of hearts. And as I'm speaking to you, the leaves are rustling. And this tree, to me, is an embodiment of the goddess. It is heart-shaped. It explodes in these exquisite pink blossoms when the branches are still bare at just the very first uh, stirrings of spring, when in the old stories, the goddess returned from the underworld, right? Mother Earth um, practiced her magic of rebirth that life is restored to the planet, that we may go through winter, right, where everything is dormant, and we may go through these periods in our lives of dormancy, but one of the great gifts of the divine feminine embodied by Mother Earth is the power of rebirth, which is one reason witchcraft is coming back right now, right? It's being reborn, and it's women who are rebirthing it. The goddess is not an idea. She's an experience, and so I see her in, the, in this beautiful green tree and beyond the tree, I see her in the butterflies. I see her in the birds that are flying. I see her in the birds that are building a nest and are about to have their second set of babies in a birdhouse that is hanging from this beautiful rosebud tree. The goddess is embodied. She is um, physically present as the world, not just in the world, but as the world. When we say Mother Earth, I mean, there are countless expressions of goddesses um, from the moon, which is such a powerful force in women's bodies. Our, our bodies literally mirror the moon in the rhythms of the moon, of the maiden and the mother and the crone, and the phases of the moon, of the new moon, the full moon, and the waning moon, or the dark moon, it literally, the, the 28-day cycle of the moon is mirrored in the 28-day cycle of women's menstrual cycle, menses, moon, the same root. And the moon was seen by our ancestors as, as a, quote, goddess. Um, and the goddesses were personified, like, you know, just as goddess personified, you see him as an, you know, in the the renaissance paintings with the white hair and the beard and you know we we personify the divine it, it's a a step in the relationship you know of connecting that we see the the sacred uh reflecting the divine in ourselves and we reflect ourselves in the divine so there are all these goddesses of the moon like diana and artemis and celine and it's just exquisite And the moon itself is a mirror. The goddess is a mirror. These images of goddesses, these uh, myths and stories of goddesses are aspects of divinity that exist within ourselves, that are part of who we are. That's a a wonderful book that Jean Shinoda Bolin wrote 20 years ago or more. um, Goddesses in every woman and women began to see that the divine was within themselves that they too were part of this great mystery. So the goddess is not abstract or distant. She is embodied and present in the world. Mother Earth to me is the most um, accessible, immediate, visceral way, way for us to rediscover the living presence of the sacred and um, the feminine sacred. Yeah, and it's yeah. also within all of us as women and within men as well. There is a, uh, there's a the divine feminine within men as well. But I think that the... the Primary one of the great gifts is of witchcraft is that the divine is the using the practices to experience the sacred embodied in ourselves and embodied by the world in which we live so that we can reconnect to it and rediscover um why we're here. Yes. Who we really are, <laughs> who we really are
1: and why we're really here. Exactly. Yes. And I got we are like a minute away from being done, so I want to make sure. For those out there, I've been talking to Phyllis Curat. She's one of America's first public Wiccan priestesses. She's also an attorney and an author. She's got a fabulous new book, Wicca Made Easy. Um, And I want to make sure you know that she's got this Hay House course starting, Awaken the Witch Within, um, and early registration ends July 23rd. So in just a few days, go to her website, phylliscurat.com, and go to her events page, and there you can um, experience this four-part series, the little masterclass that I mentioned. These are like 10 quickie, I'm sorry, 10 minute, 10 or 15 minute quickie videos that will really give you beautiful history and an idea of what's happening. I just, if you are interested at all in the divine, in nature, if shamanism has called to you, if anything that we've said today has resonated, I guarantee you're going to love this work. So Phyllis, thank you so much for having been on Sunny in Seattle today.
0: Thank you, Sunny. It's been a joy. There's a wise one in all of us. So I I hope she'll, I hope she will awaken. Yes.
1: Well, thanks to your work. I think she's going to, if she hasn't already. So (laughs) thank you so much. You have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy, signing off.
0: The preceding audio was via a Skype call.